Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And John, I know it's only Thursday, and I shouldn't be looking all the way ahead to Monday, but it appears likely that Eli Manning is going to be starting at quarterback for the New York Giants on Monday night against the Eagles. Now, I realize my Eagles are a disaster. They've proven this season that there's no team they can't choke against, but... I have to empty the bank account betting against washed Eli, right, John? Talk, talk me <laughs> out of putting the kids' college funds on the line here. Uh, I got to think about this one. Uh, well, Eli's proven to be a garbage time machine over the years, right? So mm. your Eagles lead, I don't know, 30 to 14 with five minutes left. And like all NFL teams, the Giants will stupidly toss a series of five yard passes. The Eagles defense, of course, welcomes this. Um, then it's red zone time in the final minute down 16. Uh, also pleasing the Eagles. Um, then there's a back shoulder catch in the end zone for Golden Tate for a touchdown. Uh, the Giants should go for two, obviously, but coach Pat Shermer is really bad at math. So he kicks the extra point. <laughs> <laughs> for a 30 to 21 final and you're checking out community colleges um they're free for good students in new jersey by the way and many of them are excellent <laughs> all right so i guess what you're saying is that i should have jumped on the line uh, when it was eight and a half before uh, before it was announced that uh, that it was going to be Eli. now we're at nine and a half and i'm screwed huh uh, well, then maybe he would have gone for two. Right. <laughs> I'd be screwed either way. All right. You talked me out of it. I'll, if I bet it, I'll bet small. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when Daniel Jones, uh, when it turned out he ha- was dealing with some sort of injury, you know, if, if they wanted to start a creaky but beloved Super Bowl winning New York quarterback, they could have called Joe Namath. I'm not sure there's a huge difference between Eli and Broadway Joe at this point, right? Yeah, I've met Joe a few times in Indianapolis even uh, a few years ago for a Jets uh, playoff game. And uh, it's interesting that it was in the lobby of the Jets team hotel and all the fans like charge at him like he's Joe Namath, you know, and of course with his knees, he's barely walking <laughs> around and it's a scary sight the way they, I mean, they love the guy and right. and they believe in, in, you know, what he was and Joe wants to, you know, 
pleased him too, but it's scary to see how hard they go at him. It's like, you're going to toss him. No, that's not going to be good. But, okay. Uh, so, so the common is a little is... bit ahead of that, but he's got five years probably before he's in that position. Okay. I was going to say, like me betting on the Eagles, uh, when it comes to approaching Joe Namath at this age, approach cautiously is, yes, is, exactly. is, uh, <laughs> is the lesson here. All right. Well, thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 68 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 67 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Think of the old episodes as Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah, you want them fresh if possible, but they're still pretty good a few days later. Oh, absolutely, Eric. And coming up a little later on the show, we'll be joined by Tony Niehaus, uh, maybe better known in the world of gambling as Big T. He's a sports betting and DFS analyst for Roto Grinders and Sharpside, and he's the host of the Big T's Print Factory podcast. Uh, Tony's an NFL and an NBA expert, so we're going to be getting his thoughts on the options and opportunities in both of those sports. But first, yes, it has been another busy week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Let's start with easily the week's most sensational story, the suspension of Josh Shaw. The NFL discovered that Shaw, a defensive back for the Arizona Cardinals who got injured during the preseason and hasn't played a down this year, placed a bet at a Las Vegas casino on an NFL game, and the league gave Shaw a suspension through the 2020 season eligible to apply for reinstatement on February 15, 2021. ESPN's David Payne Purnham learned from a source that Shaw bet a three-team parlay on second halves of Week 10 games, including betting against the Cardinals. The bet was for a few thousand dollars, and it didn't win. Shaw, according to the NFL, has not been around the Cardinals team all season, had no inside information, the game was not compromised, and a source close to Shaw indicated that it was a simple misinterpretation of the league's rules, a position supported, perhaps, by the fact that he willingly gave the casino his ID and player card. Uh, Shaw, we learned on Tuesday, plans to appeal the suspension. I wrote a little bit about this on Monday, made clear my position that I don't feel the punishment fits the crime in terms of the length of the suspension, and if Shaw were a star player and not an injured and anonymous one, the punishment would have been lighter. To me, this was the NFL making an example of an easy person to make an example of. John, agree or disagree? Well, Eric, I guess the headline is uh, Raskin says Peshaw to NFL uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nicely penalty. done. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, I think the idea that Shaw could have had no inside information is kind of ridiculous. Um, he knows people, you know, being a player and all. Uh, not being around a team for a couple of months doesn't guarantee he forgot everyone's texts or their cell numbers. Um, so <laughs> I don't get that part. Uh, people forget, but Pete Rose was accused of betting on the Reds while he was player manager mainly. Um, that was still a gross violation. And arguably, he could have been hurting his team overall. You know, I would think about. Imagine you bet on the game, so you use all your best bullpen guys, all your players start in the game that you bet, and the next day, well, you rest a couple of guys and don't worry about who's left in the bullpen for the late-inning tie game. So right. uh, that was terrible. Uh, this is supposedly yeah, kind of betting against, not directly. It's a parlay. but um, And, yeah, it's an easy guy to lay the hammer on. Uh, test the PR waters of the suspension. See if the smoke clears fast, and if so, quietly lessen it down the road. I think it was pretty effective in the short run. I don't see a lot of legs with this story. So good job by the NFL. Yeah. So I do think obviously the suspension needed to extend into 2020 because he's on IR this season. So, you know, if they had just suspended him the rest of 2019, I fully acknowledge that does nothing. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like a first offense. It feels like it should cost you two games, maybe four games uh, since 
that's already more than what you get for domestic violence, you know, as long as yeah. there's a hotel video of it, of course. Um, yeah. The entire 2020 season just seems extremely harsh for placing a bet that the league is insisting compromise nothing. But yeah, I mean, there's no doubt the NFL is sending a message to the players, the coaches, and the fans, and the media at the expense of an expendable player in Shaw. You're absolutely right that it's going to it is already proving to be and will continue to prove to be effective to uh, lay the hammer down in this way well you make a good counterpoint about domestic violence and really you know dwi you know homicide all kinds of right terrible things (laughs) i I, like i think this is really serious and the guy should get an incredibly harsh penalty but uh yeah nobody nobody got injured nobody died and uh so that's that's tricky uh, so now you got me thinking i'm not sure what to say. <laughs> yeah and they're all they're completely different kinds yeah. of offenses and one affects the play on the field or theoretically could and the others don't so i, I get that i just mm. sort of what i posited in my article is what would the suspension have been if it was aaron Rodgers or patrick mahomes or something like that i don't think that those guys are getting more than a couple of games i think it's because they could make an example of this guy that they don't really care about they were happy to make an example of, of this guy but, you know, the, the other thing that I touched on in my story is how this provides great optics for regulated betting. You know, we, we have no idea how many players in the past might have bet on games with a bookie or offshore, but you do it at a casino or on a regulated app and there's a good chance it'll get reported back to the league. So, you know, I think it'll be a long time before an NFL player bets on an NFL game again via regulated sports books or otherwise. And regulation helped make that happen. Well, I think people, younger people can Google Paul, Paul Horning of the Green mm-hmm. Bay Packers and uh, <laughs> Alex Karras, uh, perhaps better known as the uh, uh, beloved character in the TV show Webster. Yes, and, George um, Papadopoulos. The, there you go, how the <laughs> NFL handled those. So uh, it's not like this is a brand new thing. Right. All right. Our next story concerns the Atlantic City casino scene where Ocean Casino Resort named a new CEO this week. And it's newsworthy in large part because the new CEO is Terry Globaki, the only current female CEO among the AC casinos. Globaki has been the interim CEO since August, so this is not a surprise that she's getting the top job. And she said in a statement, I like to think that I'm qualified for this job, whether I'm a man or a woman. Globaki has worked at various Atlantic City properties over the last couple of decades, but one possible red flag on her resume is that she was the chief financial officer for Ocean predecessor Revel, which, whether any of the failings were her fault or not, Revel and financial are two words that hold negative connotation together. We've written plenty about Ocean's struggles and controversies, most recently covering the complaints about the property's rewards program. There have also been some successes. Certainly, the sports book has been well-received and has had some strong months in terms of handle and revenue. It's good to see a woman getting an opportunity like this, although it might just be that there's not a CEO on the planet who can turn Ocean around. What are your thoughts on the Globaki hire, John? Yeah, you know, Eric, it's weird how few women, even in 2019, have had a chance to get ahead in the gaming industry. I mean, there seems to be some sort of ling- lingering extra testosterone around those power player men who were born in the 1940s and 1950s and just haven't gone away yet. So um, 
I think on balance, familiarity with the unusual property there at the end of the boardwalk should be a net positive. I mean, the the guilty parties there are the ones who uh, built a two point four billion dollar casino. <laughs> right. um, I don't think she was involved in the uh, those sort of planning and stuff. So uh, once that happened, there was no way for that thing to survive the way it was. So uh, no CFO could uh, solve that. So uh, Revel had some great nightclubs. And as you say, Ocean now has a stellar sports book. So uh, it's got a chance, except. There's nine properties and nine into nine doesn't go in Atlantic City. So <laughs> they have to hang on, frankly, long enough to uh, see another casino or two knocked down instead. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll note that I've seen several statements from people in in the industry saying how good Glabaki is. You know, I don't know personally, yeah. but, you know, that's encouraging if the statements are sincere. Uh, I'd love to see Ocean succeed. It, it's really a magnificent property, but Glabaki has her work cut out for her. And of course, it would be. A shame if she failed and then we don't see a woman hired to run an Atlantic City casino for like another 30 years just because this one woman failed when facing almost insurmountable odds. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of getting ahead of myself to assume that she's going to fail. It's just that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. No, I think the industry understands this property, what it is and what it isn't. So I don't think it's going to have any impact on on her or other women's future opportunities. They're slim and, and they, they're still slim, but I don't think this is going to make it uh, worse. And uh, I'm not even sure if it works out, it's going to make it much better in the short run. Okay. All right. Well, for our third and final news item, we go to our nation's capital, where we're combining two stories into one. First, the D.C. Council voted unanimously 12-0 on Tuesday to recommend expelling Jack Evans for extreme ethics violations. And if you're wondering what this has to do with gambling, well, it was Evans who guided D.C. lottery vendor Intralot to the exclusive contract for online sports betting in D.C., which was controversial even without the man behind it being mired in scandal. Also in D.C. on Tuesday, the Office of Lottery and Gaming opened the application process for sports betting licenses, and this applies specifically to bars, restaurants, hotels, and arenas. Mobile betting remains sole source to Intralot, unless that changes if Evans gets removed. It's a long 10-step application process, and the timeline suggests venues could be approved as early as April 2020. There's not a whole lot to analyze there, but with the Evans news, maybe there is. Uh, John, if Evans is ousted... Do you think there's a chance DC backs up a few steps and opens up the mobile betting bidding to more than just Intralot? Uh, no, Eric, I don't, I don't think that happens in the short term. Uh, Evan's ethical controversies were known before the vote. And I think Intralot, they just have enough of a head of steam up to get their shot. Um, it's one of those areas where the main politics is hit the ground running before the next state does. And uh, Virginia and Maryland have not awakened from their slumber yet. So right. I think there's just enough political force there to just like get it going and figure out later. Um, now, like New Hampshire, where Intralot has just gained a, kind of a modest parlay ticket share of sports betting that's mainly DraftKings, um, the devil's going to be in the details. Um, the district and that state can and they should monitor how things play out and they can adjust accordingly down the road if need be. I mean, this stuff's not going away in the next few decades. So if they don't quite get it right uh, out of the gate, they, they can straighten it out down the road. Right. That, that's true. And yeah, and, and just in terms of, you know, there has been a vote already. It, it passed. I just don't know how easy it is to put the toothpaste back in the tube, uh, even though it was a 12-0 vote to remove Evans, uh, you know, and then there's been some resistance throughout the process of the Intralot deal. That was not a 12-0 vote. That was a narrow 7-5 to five vote in July. Um, it still doesn't seem like the D.C. Council is going to tear up this deal and start over and then you know, delay everything by months or maybe years. Um, but, you know, I I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop when we find out Evans was on the call to Ukraine. That's coming next, I'm sure. 
the way the news has been going, that would pretty much square the circle. <laughs> it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. We're at an interesting point on the sports calendar, about a quarter of the way into the NBA season and three quarters of the way through the NFL season, making this a perfect time to pick the brain of Tony Big T Niehaus, who covers daily fantasy and sports betting for Roto-Grinders and Sharpside, and is the host of the popular Big T's Factory podcast. So Tony joins us now to analyze the trends and betting options in both sports. Tony, welcome to Gamble On. Yeah, well, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And I, I want to start with NBA, where maybe the biggest story of the season so far is the emergence of Luka Doncic as a serious MVP contender. The latest odds see Giannis as the favorite at plus 190, Doncic next at plus 375, then James Harden at plus 450, and LeBron at plus 600. Is there a real path to Luka actually winning this thing? Is he still a decent bet now that his price has come down? Or you think it's still just going to be Giannis because his team is going to win about 10 or 12 games more than Lucas. Yeah, it's a super interesting debate because obviously Giannis has by far the cleanest path. The East is so weak. He's going to win a ton of games. He's going to put up massive numbers. There's just no way around it outside of injury. But Luca, I think there's something to be said for Luca. If he keeps playing how he's played so far, which I think there's a path. Like last night he plays 28 minutes, 18 boards, like 30-something points, just outrageous efficiency. Whereas guys like Harden last night, just – I mean, what did he shoot? He was four for 20 from three, 24 free throws. Not that I, – I don't, I don't think Harden can really – I don't think he's going to win it, but – Right. And then you got a guy like LeBron where the Lakers are the best team in basketball. He looks as good as he's ever looked, honestly. Like, sure, he's not the athlete he was in Miami and Cleveland early on, but he just looks incredible playing with Anthony Davis. So I think he's kind of a dark horse even to get in there. But obviously I agree, I agree with you. I mean, Giannis is going to be tough to beat. He won it last year. His numbers are going to be outrageous. There's just no way around it really. So – Right. I think there's value, though. I mean, if if he gets injured or something, even, all of a sudden there's value the other way. Right. Luca, though, how good has he been? He's been <laughs> off the charts. Yeah, it's funny. You're talking about the the efficiency, comparing him to Harden. I was looking that, that helped in part by the quote-unquote missed dunk uh, by Harden, that apparently his uh, shooting percentage was the lowest ever for a player to score 50 points. So uh, that, that says something right there. I think he seriously shot the ball, counting his free throws. I think I saw, what was it, 62 times or something like that. <laughs> I know the game went double overtime and a bunch were free throws, but 62 times in a game, like, that's just outrageous. And it's not good when it gets to the playoffs, as we've seen in the past, right. where if he goes cold, they just – it kills them. They had, they had a few chances to knock off Golden State, obviously, the last couple of years. And he just went ice cold because you can't depend on these tough three-pointers forever. It's an interesting debate. It's been fun to watch Luca, though. I mean, he, he's been – it's crazy how good he, – he's only 20 years old, too. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, Tony, you mentioned uh, LeBron James, and obviously you talk about a Harden or a Westbrook. Um, I think there's been a 
phenomenon in daily fantasy sports the last few years. But obviously, the very casual player, he signs up for a team. He wants LeBron on his team. He's probably not that price sensitive to, you know, the salary cap and everything, and he's going to go for that. And now we're going to find us in sports betting, particularly MVP futures and all, where there are certain players that the average uh, maybe small-time player is going to want to bet. So I'm just wondering, is that something that somebody trying to be a little more sophisticated, do they need to stay away from those players because they're always going to be bad value? Or is the marketplace sort of adjust for that and you don't really have to worry that too much? Yeah, so as far as the DFS side, I think one of the edges is still to play some of the overpriced guys like LeBron, Harden, Giannis. They're priced way up, so it makes it tough for casual players to fit them in because then they got to play some of the scrub guys that they may not know a lot about. Like they end up playing guys that may not play minutes or, or that type of thing, whereas if you're kind of in the know of stuff and you got projections and minute minutes based stuff and all of that, you're going to see these values that the fill in point guard tonight or the, the backup three that's filling in for someone where they're super cheap and the public might not know a ton about them. Although th these days there's so much stuff out there too, where if you're not a member to some site or some projection place, then you're basically not going to win. Like you have to have, you have to have software you're using to at least give you some sort of projections. Whereas football and stuff, I think you can kind of get get a little lucky in football here and there because everyone knows football. Like, you know, receivers and tight ends. And basketball isn't quite that way just because it's way more predictable. But simple answer, though, I, I think, yeah, the, 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 everyone likes to play guys like LeBron, but it might not be as easy as playing like an all-mid-tier build with all guys you know rather than a star and a scrub type build. All right, yeah, that's something I think uh, uh, there's a lot of casual players out there. They probably should keep it in mind. Uh, plus, what are they trying to do? If you really just want to pick LeBron and you don't care if you win or lose and you're not betting <laughs> yeah. much, okay. But, yeah, if you want to, if you actually really want to win, uh, probably think twice about that. That has to happen a ton, too. Like you said, like maybe the Lakers are on the late ESPN game and they want to watch the game, so of course they want LeBron. They're not going to fade LeBron and then watch the game all night and, and hate themselves for not taking him when he gets a triple-double. <laughs> One thing following on from that uh, sort of to the transition from talking about NBA to, to talking about NFL, uh, I'm, I'm curious uh, if you found, Tony, that whether NBA DFS is any easier during NFL season because your opponents aren't putting in the time that they will after NFL ends. Yeah, the, the best time of year for sure is when the sports overlap, especially football into basketball because there's so many people that watch football on Sunday. I mean, everyone watches football almost, anyone that likes sports. But when they get their winnings in there, all of a sudden the winnings burn a hole in their pocket between Monday and the next Sunday where they, they might not play huge money or anything, but maybe they want to put a 20, 20 bucks into play tonight where they're literally just gambling to watch the game or something. Whereas football, they, they actually have a chance because they, they know a little something and there's more variance in it. But, yeah, it's definitely the best time of year to play DFS. There's so much more dead money in there than there normally would be. Okay. Um, so, shifting to the NFL, I'm curious for your take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, they're now the favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 250 is the, the price I'm seeing, which seems like a kind of a short price to me. As good as that team looks right now, does it feel to you like – some defense is going to figure out a way to shut Lamar down in the postseason? And, and, and is there a team out there right now that you see as good value to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I think they've looked incredible. They've been the best team. I mean, what, what is it, an eight- or ten-game win streak? Whatever it is, they're 10-2 and two right now. 
I think they've been the best team so far, but I, I completely agree with you. Plus 250 or whatever you said, the current odds. Right. That's way too short for a team that is kind of runs a gimmicky offense that sure it's great. And I'm not saying it's not, they figured out a ton of things they can do with Lamar, but they're going to have to go through Brady. They're going to have to go through Mahomes, And that's just before the Super Bowl, where the NFC has a bunch of good teams too. I couldn't even imagine betting Baltimore at plus 250. Like that's just, that's really bad. I think even though I'm not saying they're drawing dead to win it, but I don't even think I'd consider them the favorite for, for that matter, but plus 250 is just short. I mean, you can get the Patriots for four to one right. when they always put it together, and Belichick can scheme something up for, for Lamar in the playoff. They already played once, Baltimore won. But you know, you know Belichick didn't show everything he's got ready for that system, especially with all the film. And I still like Kansas City. You asked for the value. I mean, they're 11 to one right now on DraftKings, I see. Mm-hmm. 11-1 to with Mahomes and maybe the best offense. I know they're going to have to go on the road and maybe beat Baltimore and New England. But if you got Mahomes and the best offense in football, 11-1, to like I'd rather pay 11-1 to for them rather than 250 for Baltimore, even though Baltimore's probably got a better chance to win it. It's all about the value. Yeah, uh, as a as a uh, lifelong Philadelphian, I'm always hesitant to put my money behind an Andy Reid team in the playoffs. But I think I think you're right, Kansas. That that is a good price on Kansas City. Philadelphia is my favorite team. They they broke my heart all year with all these injuries. <laughs> I love I love Philly. Uh, yeah, I just uh, hope hope you don't have too many futures uh, futures on them this year. Not 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 too many, but I, I've definitely I probably bet them more than anyone this year, which hasn't worked out that great either. <laughs> no. Yeah, Tony, I want to ask you about sort of a stage two amateur, I guess would be beyond the very casual player. All right, they learned that, let's say, you know, home dogs are 61% against the spread this year. Or you know, a few years ago was the West teams going East. They were clearly doing terribly. Um, so they have this one bit of information after 13 weeks. Um, is that something that they're going to tell themselves, well, I'm going to bet a lot of home dogs the last four weeks. I can win some money. Um, is there anything to that? Or again, does the marketplace just suggest just so much that, that you, it's a waste of time to even know that little bit of information? I've never been a huge trend guy. I've heard a ton of people that – because I, I always feel like you can have a trend for anything to, to kind of get your narrative where you want it. No matter which direction you look, there's some sort of narrative you can say, well, this is the case. They've covered 10 straight games in the afternoon or whatever the trend is that people throw out there. But one of the things I've always believed in and go with is the reverse line moves. I know some people don't believe in it, but – if you see a ton of action, obviously going one way and the line kind of moves the other way, I tend to always bet those. I know they don't always win, and sometimes you look stupid doing it because it's usually a really good team on the other end of it. But that's really the only trend-type thing I, I follow a ton. I just – I don't know. Some people are trend guys. I don't think I'm necessarily one of them. Gotcha. All right, well, it's been great talking to you, Tony. Uh, everyone should check out uh, Big T's Print Factory. That usually drops on Fridays. Is that right? Yeah, we try to do it more than that, but it gets so busy during football that we usually just put those up on Friday. You can get it on iTunes or Google or wherever you get your podcast. But, yeah, check it out. All right, and uh, you can also follow Tony on Twitter. He's at BigT44DFS. Tony, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. It was fun coming on. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll.
We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first we update our betting bankroll, and it was a positive week overall for the Gamble On team. We each went one and one, but the bet amounts worked slightly in our favor, and we cashed a futures bet. So here goes. I lost on my Bears-Lions under. You won on your Steelers-Browns under. That's a net of minus $10. I won on my Lakers-Raptors money line parlay to profit $100. Barely, I'd believe. Uh, yes, the Lakers uh, didn't look good until uh, right, right around the end of the game. They pulled that one out to save me. Uh, and meanwhile, you lost on your Amari Cooper touchdown yeah. bets. Uh, but fortunately, they only totaled $70. So last week's bets came out plus $20. Uh, and on top of that, your under on nine and a half wins for the Browns officially became a win for us as they sunk to five and seven. So that's another hundred dollars in profit. That means we won $120 for the week. We're now up by $410 and we have $2,260 on hold in futures bets, leaving us with a nice even 8,150 bucks available to bet this week. And you're up first. Uh, well, first, I should note that our Redskins uh, to win the NFC East preseason pick. Um, <laughs> I say our because I'll note, of course, it's true that success really does have a thousand fathers, while imminent failure is always an orphan. Um, yeah, in spite of the Redskins' current status as only the third slot in the 2020 NFL draft, they are still in play in the NFC least, although that's not likely to continue uh, past this weekend. But moving on, I listened closely to our guest, Tony Niehaus, playing out the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl winning scenario at 11 to 1. And that really intrigued me. I was listening. Uh, is it likely they win? No. But is it possible at those odds? I'd like it. But how much? I don't want to go crazy on it. But let's try 30 to win 330. Okay. I, I like it. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, hey, let's, uh, we have these experts on for a reason. Let's yeah, take okay. advantage of their, uh, of their minds and their suggestions. Yeah. Um, all right. So there is a major, major fight this weekend. The rematch to the biggest upset in heavyweight boxing in nearly 30 years. Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua 2. I will not be able to watch the fight live because it takes place Saturday afternoon at the exact same time as my daughter's bat mitzvah. So I'm going off Twitter for probably a solid 24 hours until I've watched all the weekend's fights. Uh, all of you <laughs> listeners, please don't text me the results. Um, can't believe they didn't consult with my schedule before signing this fight. Uh, but anyway, uh, way back in June, right after the first fight, you'll recall that I bet $100 of our bankroll on Ruiz to win the rematch at plus 225. So we'll have that result to report next week. And I'm going to place one additional small bet on the fight. It's a fun one, one that counts on this rematch being similar to their wild first fight in which Ruiz got knocked down once and Joshua was dropped four times. It's plus 430 for both fighters to get knocked down at least once. So let's bet $50 to win 215. I like that price. I think it's better than a one in five chance that we get that kind of fight. All right. Fair enough. And um, my second to last golf bet of 2019, I promise. Um, Justin Thomas at plus 500 in the 18 player hero challenge superstar invitation in the Bahamas, kind of hosted by Tiger Woods, basically. Um, they already had round one on Wednesday. Um, I can get 50 to win 250 here. Uh, Thomas is only three shots back after round one and he's tied for fourth place. Um, he had a midseason injury last year that has him both fresh and very underrated. So I'll take my chances on that. Okay. Uh, last week would have been a good week to bet a big NFL underdog on the money line. I'm hoping I didn't miss my chance. The Bengals are obviously a much less incompetent team with Andy Dalton under center. And the Browns, they're poorly coached, and you just never know what you're going to get from week to week. Since he is plus 285 on the money line, these division rivalry games are usually close. 
I see them being right in it with a chance to win, and I like the probability of Freddie Kitchens making some dumb decision down the stretch. Uh, at plus 285, I had to take some time and find a dollar amount that will leave us winning a whole dollar uh, amount in the end. I was going to do 50 bucks, but then if we won, we would have had a 50 cent remainder in the bankroll, and I didn't want that. So let's do 60 to win 171 that the Bengals win the game. Yeah, I don't even think you can get odds on uh, Freddie Kitchen making a dumb decision. That's off the board. <laughs> we know it's going to happen, so there's no point in having odds on it. Right. All right, we finish with the Fast Five, and uh, you know what? Let's just skip the recap. Nobody cares how we did. <laughs> uh, just kidding, just kidding. We will give John his opportunity to be insufferable for a few moments uh, as he went a perfect 5-0. and uh, The first, uh, those 5-0 and weeks that either of us have had this season, I believe, uh, I went 2-3. and three. So we're back to where we were about three weeks ago with John semi-comfortably in the lead. He's 36-27-2. and two. I'm 32-30-3. John, you have earned the right with a 5-0 and o week to boast for 30 seconds if you'd like. Um, I also went 5-0 and o in week one, but but who's counting? Oh, you did. Okay, um, I didn't realize yes. that. And uh, I, I got to say, though, you've got the word right. Uh, even I'm getting tired of my insufferability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I have another big week, I won't be able to live with myself. So please, I want no better than three and two this week for all our sakes, including our listeners. Um, did I mention that I picked four dogs last week who all won outright? The Bills, Bengals, Dolphins, and Redkins, kind of the teams like you mentioned would have been big money line winners. Um, yep. All right, the time's up. <laughs> all right. That, that wasn't too insufferable, I'll say, in your defense. <laughs> all right. So I'm up first this week. Uh, we have four weeks to go. I'm three and a half games back, so I know uh, I know exactly what I have to do. Make up a game a week. Here goes. Uh, I'm taking all road teams this week, uh, mostly road underdogs. And I'll start with the Broncos at Houston getting nine points, which I think is a point or two too many. The Texans are getting the we just beat the Patriots bump. But I'm not convinced they're actually all that good, and this could easily be a trap game. So I see the Broncos keeping it close. Next up, uh, my money line bet surely gave this one away, but the Bengals getting eight and a half points in Cleveland. Too many points. I'll take Cincy. Speaking of too many points, the Vikings are a little banged up. Detroit third string quarterback David Blow doesn't quite blow. Uh, I'll take the Lions at plus 13, the widest line of the week. I'm predicting a backdoor cover. You know, Vikings are up by like 16 or 7, and my man Blow marches Detroit down for a meaningless touchdown in the final minutes. Um, this next one, I hesitate to pick it because I'm almost certain you're making the same pick, uh, and I need to not have all the same picks as you, but I have to take the Dolphins getting five and a half at the Jets. These are evenly matched teams at this point in the season. Miami has improved from the historically awful team they started the season as to only a slightly bad team. This line should be Jets by three or three and a half in my view. So I'll gladly take Miami, although I really don't want them to win outright because uh, in real life, I bet under four and a half wins before the season began. And that looked great. And now it's turning into a sweat. Um, last pick. Finally, I'm picking a favorite. I like the Titans getting the hook, minus two and a half at Oakland. The Raiders have burned me two weeks in a row. I'm chasing those losses this week by going against them. Uh, maybe Oakland is just who we thought they were before the season. In any case, the Titans are a legit good team with Tannehill. Derrick Henry has reached that point of the season where he's always a threat to break an 80-yard touchdown. So I like the Titans to win and cover. All right. And it's another dog day afternoon for me, Eric. And uh, when you hear these picks, you'll realize why I'm smiling uh, through the <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the same the ones, huh? Right. SoundCloud uh, Redskins plus 12 and a half at the Packers. Um, did anyone notice that Ryan Kerrigan was by far the Redskins best player missed last week? Um, and they 
stampeded the Panthers anyway. I mean, sure, they ended Ron Rivera's coaching career, but they're down 14 nothing without Kerrigan, who's now out of concussion protocol, by the way. And then for some reason, they rang up 29 straight points. Um, running back Darius Geis is an absolute beast, too, if you saw any of the highlights on him. Um, he'll probably get hurt again in the second quarter, but <laughs> until he does, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, that's a, I don't think that can be a an outright dog win, but you never know. Um, Bengals, of course, plus eight and a half at Browns. You knew I would do that. I've been winning money on the Browns all year. Uh, Bengals can still win another game and still get that quarterback from LSU, uh, and they will. Um, might be this one, as you noted earlier. That could be. Um, it's a weird line given a banged up Baker Mayfield. I, I don't I don't even know what this line is all about. Um, Lions plus 13 at Vikings. Yes, indeed. Mm. Um, you didn't mention, but Dalvin Cook is banged up, and Adam Thielen, who knows? And right. the Lions always find a way to lose competitively. They don't they don't torture their fans by getting crushed. They torture them by being in a game and then they can't find a way to win. Um, Dolphins plus five and a half at Jets. You guessed that yep. one too. <laughs> Maybe I'm just lucky to play at a North Jersey market, which is the Jets is one of its two teams that pretends to be from New York. Um, uh, safety Jamal Adams likely absence may not be recognized as soul crushing as it is outside of this area, but it is. Um, plus Ryan Fitzmagic returns to the Meadowlands and he would love to crush some more souls. And I think he will. Um, that looks like an outright winner to me. Um, finally, at least you didn't pick this one. Uh, Cardinals plus two and a half versus Steelers. Um, props to the Steelers for their feeble injury plague wins, but there's nothing left in that tank and uh, still banged up with their skill players. Uh, and you can't kill the Cardinals. They knew they were already dead before the season started. And um, now there's going to be a major Pittsburgh contingent of fans out there in Arizona. Um, but the modest number of Cardinals fans in the stands, they're going to enjoy this modest upset. All right. Well, yeah, we have three of the same picks, which is not great news for me, but it could have been worse because I thought about Washington and, and I told myself, John's <laughs> definitely p- picking Washington. So, uh, you know, I I wasn't sure if you were going to go Cincinnati and Detroit. They both looked like teams you might pick, but it was it was really Miami and Washington that I was like get, <laughs> absolutely certain uh, you were going to take them both. So I was willing to take one, but not both of them. But hey, ride the wave up, they'll get a, a well a, further above 500. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. And uh, like I said, I just have to make up one game a week. So if, you know, if we have three, three of the same, as long as I make up one game, I'll feel feel good about how the week went. But all right that'll do it for this episode of gamble on thanks to everybody out there for listening and thanks and to our guest tony big t kneehaus you can find me on twitter at eric raskin and john at bergen brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on soundcloud or on itunes or the apple podcast app and with that john please take us out yeah, you know, Eric, for all the kidding sort of that we did about my previous week's picks, um, I want to remind casual gamblers out there new to this that you can learn about both hot and cold streaks. Um, we've talked to professionals who warned of that chase that you mentioned. You know, you have a bad NFL afternoon, so you double up late and oh, you'll get even or you make money for the day. You can still do it. Uh, but when I had a few bad weeks of college football picking recently, my gut instinct was to just hide under the bed. No more bets <laughs> from me for probably a month. And that's a good thing. I think. And, and off this 5-0 and a week, am I tempted to bet more this week? Is now I'm such a genius? Not at all. So I don't feel that. So people think about what a hot or cold streak tempts you to do. The chase or to hide. You know, enjoy a profit or suddenly assume you have it all figured out. Um, that difference could be a very, very important aspect to your bottom line. And with that thought, until next time, gamble on. <laughs>